Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. My name is Audie Elmore, and I am the host of this podcast, episode number 29. And uh, my, how things have changed over the course of a week. Last week, we talked to Dr. Syed Tabatabai about the coronavirus and the implications of it and kind of what, what it was, basically. I don't think that either one of us realized just how quickly things would move after that. The world, well, specifically the United States, is a different place now than it was a week ago. And I'm not quite sure what to make of it. And I don't think many people are sure what to make of it. So we'll talk about that. that, that that'll be what we lead things off with. And as you know, because of this, there are no sports. There are no sports to talk about whatsoever, um, except for our knight in shining armor, the National Football League, who continues to trudge forward, um, basically still on schedule with their normal off-season schedule. Some things have changed, and we'll talk about that. But um, this week has been, you know, with, with the NFL kind of going forward as scheduled – with the start of their offseason and start of free agency and so on and so forth, um, it has been a, a welcome distraction to the news of the real world. So if you're new here, again, my name is Audie Elmore. You can follow me on uh, social media, Twitter and Instagram, at Audie Elmore, A-U-T-Y-E-L-M-O-R-E, and also on YouTube at youtube.com slash Audie Elmore. You know, I, I work at a radio station, and I work at a, at a very conservative radio station. And coronavirus does not care about your ethnicity or, quite honestly, how old you are. I mean, it, it's obviously more fatal to those who are older, but we've seen it in cases. We, we've seen it of people of all ages. It doesn't care about your politics and doesn't care about how much money you make and so on and so forth. But, you know, I am I am blown away consistently by the amount of people that don't take this thing serious. People that continue to just compare it to the flu. Listen, if you haven't woken up by now and realized that this thing isn't the flu, then you've got some problems. Because this ain't the flu. It's different than the flu. It's much different. There are people that consider, and, and we'll focus on Ohio because I'm in Ohio and mo- the majority of you that listen are in Ohio. The, the people that say Governor Mike DeWine is overreacting with keeping everyone six feet apart, with closing restaurants and all sorts of other, th- basically everything is, is closed. And it it blows my mind how many people still are not taking this seriously. This is a transformative moment in our country that we're experiencing right now. The numbers continue to grow each and every day, and they're going to continue to grow and continue to grow and continue to grow as more and more testing is available. 
And I understand that, you know, most people come here to listen to me talk about sports and you don't want to listen to me talk about the coronavirus because that's all you've heard about anyways. But it's on my mind and this is my podcast is what I want to talk about. It, it, It drives me up the wall when people don't take this seriously. And I would say that when I when I started thinking about this podcast two days ago, it was more prevalent then, the people that still hadn't woken up. I think more people do now, or more people have woken up now. But still, the fact of the matter remains, there's too many people out there that aren't taking this seriously. You look at Clearwater Beach, Florida, packed with kids on spring break. Kids at college campuses who now are off for the entire semester – from in-person classes are throwing parties and doing stuff and, you know, consider themselves immune to it. That has changed our, our way of life, and it will change our way of life for the foreseeable future. You talk about, you know, the NBA is suspended. I doubt, I honestly, what I under, from everything that I understand... I don't know that we'll play another NBA game this year. I don't know if we'll play a Major League Baseball game until the middle of June. I don't know really, truly what's going to happen. I don't know if this thing's going to get any better. I think there is a legitimate possibility that things are worse two months from now than they are now. I think there's a legitimate possibility that we do go into a sort of national quarantine, a national lockdown to try to prevent the spread of this COVID-19 coronavirus. As of today, which is Tuesday, March 17th, happy St. Patrick's Day. As of today, we're still on the same trajectory as Italy. And Italy is in bad shape. Bad, bad shape. And the people that that say, oh, it's just the flu, you're missing the point. And people say, well, it's not, it's a little more deadly than the flu, but it's, it's still, overall, it's not that deadly. You're missing the point. The point is not that it's similar to the flu. The point is not that it's more fatal than the flu, although those are important. The point is that if everybody gets this thing and people start dying left and right, and I have seen projections right now that say by the end of this thing, by the time this thing has run its course over 2 million dead Americans, if we continue on the path we're on right now, the the problem is not the fatality rate. The problem is overrunning hospitals, not enough, not enough ventilators. People that the basis of the country runs on the, being sick, like like truckers. I mean, God, if the truckers get sick, how's your medicine getting delivered? How are your ventilators getting delivered? So on and so forth. It's not about necessarily as much the numbers or what the disease actually does to a person as much as it's that we cannot handle this at a at a greater magnitude. We weren't built for it. Our hospitals aren't built for it. Our healthcare system, our doctors, our nurses, they're not built for it. They'll do their best, sure, but they're not built for it. So, you know, fast forward, here we are. 
Gatherings of 10 or more people are severely frowned upon, uh, with certain exceptions. For some places, even six people is too much. There are restrictions on restaurants and bars. A lot of people are working from home. Like I said, college campuses are basically ghost towns, and everyone's doing online instructions. Schools in the state of Ohio and schools in, in all sorts of places across the country, I'm talking public schools, private schools, are done for the rest of the year or for the next couple of months. Graduations, proms, baseball seasons canceled. The NCAA has canceled every spring sport the entire season. I mean, if if this wasn't serious, if the people that are in charge, if the doctors, if the nurses, the experts, the scientists, if those people didn't know what they were talking about, do you think these sort of measures would be taken? My hunch from the beginning is because of how swiftly and how quickly everyone has acted, specifically those higher-ups, it tells me that, that maybe this thing's actually worse than they're letting on. And they're doing dra- they're, they're drastic measures, but also trying to keep us at an arm's length so that we're not too panicked. I mean, you see people at the grocery store buying all the toilet paper and and just... It's just, it is a fascinating time. I don't know how to describe it. I really, truly don't. But it got my goat this week to hear so many people that don't take this thing seriously, especially people in a demographic that should be taking it seriously, people that are the most at risk. I mean, even if, you look at me, for example, I'm 24 years old. I'm in the best shape of my life right now. I feel great every day. I don't drink pop anymore. I've lost 52 pounds. I feel great. I sleep great. I am really not nearly as much at risk as someone who's 20 years older than me. As my parents are. As my grandpa is. My grandma is. As people in my extended, you know, people in my friend group, their families that I consider my family. People that you know, those people are at risk. And, you know, for me to be reckless is putting them in danger. Because what if I carry that unknowingly to them? And then they get it. And then they die. This is happening to people. Like I said, today's Tuesday, March 17th. As of now, 4,226 cases of COVID-19 in the United States, 75 total deaths. 53 jurisdictions are reporting cases, including 49 states, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, Guam, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. The one state that has not yet uh, confirmed a case is West Virginia. West Virginia has, to my understanding, had the least amount of tests given. If you look, uh, this is from the CDC, by the way. The cases of COVID-19 reported in the U.S. by source of exposure. Like I said, 4,226 total cases. 3,752 of those are still under investigation as to how that was exposed to the person who is suffering. 245 of those cases were from close contact. 
229 were travel-related. States reporting cases of COVID-19 to the CDC. Like I said, 49 states, with the exception of West Virginia. The worst two in the United States are Washington and New York, each of them over 500 cases each. California is in the 200 to 500 range. Everyone else usually falls in that um, 10 to 100 range. So it's just there's data everywhere you look. Listen to the smart people. Get off of Facebook. Oh, my God. I spent... I get on Facebook. I, I rarely do it. I rarely, rarely do it. And I never promote it on here and, and really to anyone because I hate Facebook. And the the reason I have it really truthfully is is to get a snapshot of kind of my hometown, the older demographic of those people in my life, um, and a little bit of family stuff. And, you know, you get on there and I just, I feel dumber every time I'm on there. It's sad, man. Facebook is a sad place. Facebook's a sad place. There is so much ignorance on that app. Get off of it. And and don't get all of your information from Twitter. And don't get all of your information from one place. Twitter is great. Twitter has been phenomenal throughout this entire crisis. But don't get everything off Twitter. Go to the CDC's website. Go to your state's website. Go watch news channels. You know, I like to do, I, I've been watching a lot of CNN and people are going to hate me for that. Um, but I, I trust CNN when it comes to stuff like this. I try to watch all the channels. Like I said, I work for a very conservative radio station. So I try to balance things out by listening to and watching networks that are not conservative. I think that makes sense. Everyone has a different take on this. It's affecting everyone, though. And if you are kind of on the fence about it, don't be. Err on the side of caution. Be careful. You could save your life. You could save your mom's life. You could save your grandpa's life. You could save your best friend's aunt's life. It doesn't matter. You got to do what's right, in my opinion. If, if you still aren't taking this thing seriously, look at the numbers. Listen to the experts. Seek out the information. And trust that this is serious and this is unforeseen. This is uncharted territory that we're in. And I don't know, you know, it's just, gosh, 15 minutes into this podcast talking about the coronavirus. It's just, <laughs> I mean, it's a really weird time right now. In the, in the United States and in the world. I just, I, we've never seen anything like this. And it's, uh, it's frustrating to see people that don't take it seriously because people are dying. Like literally people are dying. And you gotta, you gotta just, just take it seriously, man. Take it seriously. So because of this, like I said, no MLB, no NBA, no NHL, no college basketball or college sports at all, so on and so forth. The NFL is lucky because they're in the middle of their offseason with all this, and for the most part, they can go 
through their schedule uh, pretty much to plan. They have already announced that the NFL draft will not take place in Las Vegas. There will not be public people, public, it will not be a public event. It's still going to happen on the same day, though, which is good. It's going to be televised, which is good. It's just going to be basically the old format of the 1970s and 80s, and they're going to find a way to announce the draft picks while being safe and not, you know, basically just by doing their part and doing the right thing to make sure that they aren't spreading. I mean, they were going to have 750,000 people in Las Vegas for that draft. No chance, man. No chance they could do that. So the NFL is going to continue their draft at the same time. The uh, The league year starts today as you're listening to this, March the 18th. The tampering period and, and most of the free agency, a lot, a lot of people have signed, not signed, but have agreed to terms with teams, and most of that happened today on Tuesday the 17th. So thank God for the NFL who has given us really quite a distraction throughout all of this and gives us something to to talk about that's not the coronavirus. So that's what we're going to talk about now. I've got a list here of NFL headlines. Maybe there's some things in here that you missed. I've got a few comments on the Cincinnati Bengals. I've got a few comments on Tom Brady. And yeah. Hopefully, the next 15 minutes of this podcast will make you escape or help you escape, not make you escape, help you escape kind of from the madness that has been the world uh, over the past week or two. Okay, so NFL headlines. Six-time Super Bowl champion Tom Brady announced on social media Tuesday that he would not be returning to the New England Patriots after 20 seasons. Brady did not say if this was his decision or the team's. It was later revealed that it was Tom Brady's decision and not the decision of the team. He said he would not. He did not know where he would be playing next season, but it has been revealed that Tom Brady is expected to sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where he will join forces with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and a host of other talented players and a really good defense in a division that's really interesting because of a couple other headlines that are in this list of headlines. So Tom Brady leaving the Patriots, it's it's rumored to be that he's going to be getting about $30 million a year, which is insane. Um, he turns 43 on August the 2nd, I believe. So Tom Brady on the move for the first time in 20 years, for the first time in his career, an unrestricted free agent who um, it is expected will sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Sticking in the NFC South, the New Orleans Saints and quarterback Drew Brees have agreed to a two-year $50 million deal. The Carolina Panthers and quarterback Teddy Bridgewater have agreed to a three-year deal worth $63 million. So the quarterbacks in the NFC South are getting paid. Matt Ryan of the Atlanta Falcons is already on a monster deal. Now you're going to have Breeze for a couple more years with the Saints, Brady for a few years with the Buccaneers, and now Teddy Bridgewater comes in to be what is presumed to be the starter in Carolina after it was announced that now, because of this signing, Cam Newton has been given permission to seek a trade from the Carolina Panthers, which is interesting. 
Earlier this week, the Houston Texans traded wide receiver. This is hilarious because it's so sad. Traded wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins and a fourth-round pick to the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for running back David Johnson and a second-round pick. Let me say that again. Star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins and a fourth-round pick to the Arizona Cardinals in exchange for David Johnson and a second-round pick. There are people laughing at Bill O'Brien across the league because of this. When you look at it and you crunch the numbers with J.J. Watt, with Deshaun Watson, with Laramie Tunsil, so on and so forth, it was going to be hard for them to keep Hopkins, who's already on a $100 million deal. So if you're Kyler Murray, you're excited because you have a good running back in Kenyon Drake, who was the transition tag was used on by the Arizona Cardinals. You've got Larry Fitzgerald. You've got DeAndre Hopkins now. And you've you already got some young wide receivers there and, and a pretty solid offense to start. So Kyler Murray and the Cardinals gotta be pretty excited about that. So that was the that was the trade that kind of set the world on fire for a few minutes. And then there were two other trades later that day. The Indianapolis Colts traded a first round pick, 13th overall in this year's draft to the San Francisco 49ers for defensive tackle DeForest Buckner who agreed to a contract that will pay him $21 million a year, the second-highest-paid defensive tackle in the NFL. So the Colts get better, and they trade away their 13th overall pick. And you might be saying, well, I thought they were going to get a quarterback. Well, they got one. They signed Phillip Rivers to a one-year $25 million deal. Yes, one-year $25 million to be what – I guess he's going to compete with Jacoby Brissett for the starting quarterback position in Indianapolis. The Minnesota Vikings traded wide receiver Stephon Diggs in a seventh-round pick in exchange for four picks, including a 2020 first-round pick. So Diggs had made it known he wanted out of Minnesota. Kirk Cousins signs an extension with the Vikings. Stephon Diggs gets traded. Now we'll see what happens uh, with with the Vikings and with that offense. And uh, the Buffalo Bills, who you see now that their window is is as wide open as it's ever been with Tom Brady out of the division, the Dolphins seemingly still rebuilding. By the way, the Dolphins spent $200 million. I didn't even mention a Dolphin signing. Byron Jones goes there. Um, uh, I can't even remember. There was a bunch of – I feel like everybody signed. Like Shaq Lawson, a bunch of people signed, I think, with the Miami Dolphins. I didn't even list them in here. They're rebuilding and expected to take a quarterback at the top of this draft. They got a ton of draft picks. They just spent $200 million in free agency. You've got the Jets, who ex- are probably going to be an average team next year. No one knows what the Patriots are going to be because no one knows who their quarterback is going to be. Is it going to be Jared Stidham? Is it going to be a guy like Andy Dalton, maybe, in New England? There's just all things that, that, are, that are possible. So the Buffalo Bills are going all in. They've got a star wide receiver who is one of the better ones in the league in Stephon Diggs coming over from Minnesota. The Cincinnati Bengals signed two players on Tuesday. Nose tackle DJ Reader becomes the highest paid nose tackle in the NFL. The 25-year-old had an 86.1, I think. I had it. I tweeted this out. I forget it already. An 86.1 overall uh, 86.7 overall grade according to PFF last season. They also signed cornerback Trey Waynes. This means essentially the end for Drake Kirkpatrick. It'll be Trey Waynes and William Jackson 
on the outside. Normally it's Darquez Denard in the slot corner position, but he signed a deal with the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's gone. Um, and some other signings. Quarterback, cornerback Byron Jones to the Miami Dolphins, previously with the Cowboys. Jack Ta- <laughs> Sorry, I'm, going, I'm reading too fast now. Jack Conklin, Austin Hooper, and Case Keenum. All signed with the Cleveland Browns. Jimmy Graham goes to the Chicago Bears, previously with the Packers. Quarterback Marcus Mariota to the Las Vegas Raiders. And wide receiver Amari Cooper re-signs with the Dallas Cowboys. And some notable players who were franchise-tagged this week. Bengals wide receiver A.J. Green. Chiefs defensive tackle Chris Jones. Titans running back Derrick Henry, which, by the way, is just ridiculous. Ryan Tannehill, I, I didn't mention this, Ryan Tannehill signed a $100-plus million extension with the Tennessee Titans. That'll be 100-plus if he finishes it out. Um, I think it's only like $62 million guaranteed. But that frees up a chance for Tennessee to use the franchise tag on Derrick Henry because the new CBA was passed, meaning they can only use either the franchise tag or the transition tag. They can't use both. So... If you're wondering what the franchise tag is, so if a player is going to become a free agent, a franchise can franchise tag that player, which then means that they play one season at the average price of the top five paid players at that position. So if, for example, A.J. Green's getting franchise tagged, the top five wide receivers in the NFL all make, I don't know, however much money, that averages out to $17.85 million a year. So basically, with the Bengals tagging A.J. Green, he's playing one year, $17.85 million. The point of this is, A, so franchises can keep control of their best players. B, gives them more time to negotiate a contract, a long-term contract extension. That's what the goal of all of this is. The Cowboys and Dak Prescott have not been able to agree to a deal. Um, and so basically what this means is, it buys them more time, A, to do that, and B, if there's players that teams maybe aren't quite sure of yet that they still want to get another look at, they'll do something like that. The Washington Redskins did that three times with Kirk Cousins. They tagged him three times. The dude made a buttload of money and then eventually moved on because they were never officially sold on him because he's the most average quarterback of all time. He, by the way, signed an extension with the Minnesota Vikings. So all this is happening. All this is happening, and and uh, you know the Steelers also used theirs. I didn't even finish. Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott got franchise tagged. Chargers tight end Hunter Henry got franchise tagged. Steelers linebacker Bud Dupree all got franchise tagged. Derek Watt signed with the with the Steelers, who's going to team up with his brother TJ. There, gosh, there's so much. And you know when I wrote all of this at two o'clock this afternoon, none of this half half of this hadn't even happened yet. Um, so it it all finally has happened. Um. There's just there's so much going on, man. There's just so much going on, and and it's uh, I'm excited. I really I'm truly excited because it gives you a sense of normalcy throughout all of this. And um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'll talk about the Bengals because typically the Bengals don't make many moves. And I when I like I said I wrote all this earlier today. I did so under the impression that I would be talking about the Bengals on this podcast in a very negative light because they had uh, once again sat on their hands in free agency. This time they didn't. They went out and signed two players that are better than what they have now. The problem is they missed the boat. They whiffed on every good linebacker out there. 
uh, Nick Kiewitowski, Joe Schobert, Shaq Lawson, so on and so forth. The list goes on of these linebackers. The Bengals didn't sign any of them. So your weakest position, which is significantly weaker because of poor secondary play and poor defensive line play, you didn't upgrade at all in free agency despite the fact that you were saying you were going to. That frustrates a lot of people. But they did go out and they made two moves to make their defense better, which they did. DJ Reader's only 25 years old. He's going to be really, really good next to Geno Atkins, I think. Because Geno Atkins makes everybody around him better. And when you have to account for a threat of a nose tackle like DJ Reader that Bengals opponents have not had to account for in the past, I mean, normally Geno Atkins is getting double teamed every game. He won't be able to get double teamed as frequently with DJ Reader there. Trey Waynes is going to come in and be an outside cornerback. It'll be essentially the end for Dre Kirkpatrick. Should have been the end for Dre Kirkpatrick four years ago. He's a terrible football player, a bad football player. Uh, He's not very smart on the football field. He has terrible fundamentals. He gets beat consistently. He's one of the worst football players I've ever seen in my life. I'm not kidding. Dre Kirkpatrick is very, very bad at football. I can't wait to see him go, man. He's, oh God, he's terrible. He's so bad. Anyways, so Trey Waynes, who I don't even know if he's that much better, but you can't be much worse than Drake Kirkpatrick. So you get better there. The Bengals will almost certainly still sign another cornerback, and they will almost certainly still uh, go after a cornerback in the draft. Clayton Fedulum, who has been one of their top uh, special teamers, And backup safety signed also with the Miami Dolphins, so the Bengals lose a guy there as well. Uh, The other thing, the Bengals franchise tagging A.J. Green. It's People act surprised by this. I don't know why. This was going to happen the entire way. You look at the Andy Dalton situation. The Bengals are going to draft Joe Burrow. We know that. So when they cut Andy Dalton or trade him tomorrow, the Bengals are going to save $17.5 million. And like I said, A.J. Green's franchise tag price is $17.8 million. So where do you think that money's going? Right into A.J. Green's pocket. And A.J. Green is not pleased about this. He wants a long-term deal. He wants a long-term extension. And A.J., I understand that. You're a proven player and one of the great wide receivers in this league. But the fact of the matter remains, you've only played four more games than I have the last two seasons. That's unacceptable. You cannot realistically expect a franchise to give you a long-term deal in good faith and you haven't played in two seasons. No one would do that. That doesn't make any sense financially, and it doesn't make any sense for the betterment of the franchise. I understand Joe Burrow's going to want an elite wide receiver to throw to, and A.J. Green's going to be there. He's going to skip all the offseason workouts. He's going to skip most of training camp. He'll probably show up in the middle of August and get in shape and play week one. And you know what? That's fine. If if that's the worst that comes out of all this, then that's fine. I get the feeling that he won't be back, period. I think this is probably his last year with the Bengals, unless he gets there and is like, holy cow, Joe Burrow, I want to play with this guy. And you hope that Joe Burrow has that effect on people, and, and it, it appears he had that effect on people at LSU. He had that effect on people at Ohio State and everyone that's come in contact with him since. 
So you hope that A.J. Green gets that same feeling. You hope that the Bengals and him can come to some sort of agreement. And more than anything, you hope A.J. Green plays football because he just hasn't. He's been banged up. You know, I, I truly believe he could have played last season. I don't know that for sure. But from the things I do know, I think he probably could have played last season. I don't blame him for not playing. He had no reason to. And that's just how it is. And and people are like, you know, people calling the Bengals cheap. They're not they're not that cheap. Okay? They're not that cheap. But they're not aggressive, and that's the problem. They should have been aggressive with the first wave of free agency. They went they should have went and gotten a linebacker. Apparently they were right there at the end. For Nick, he would, I think his name is Nick. I don't even know if his name is Nick. Kiewitowski from the Chicago Bears, who now signed um, with uh, the Oakland Raiders, and Joe Schobert from the Cleveland Browns, who went and signed with the Jacksonville Jags. Apparently the Bengals were right there at the ver- till the very end for both those guys, but ultimately did not match those contracts. So this is a problem. This is the problem. And it, sometimes you wonder if they even pay attention to the Reds down the street. So... The Bengals have whiffed consistently in the draft the past couple of seasons. And when you whiff in the draft, you then have to address those needs in free agency. The Bengals don't like to do that. We know this. So then you get to a point where you have a glaring need, and in this case, it's linebacker. And you have two guys that can come in and fill that need immediately. But then you say, okay, well, I don't think I'm willing to pay that much money for those two. That is where you have to be different than what your normal philosophy is. Because you have to bite the bullet. I think Paul Daner said this. Paul Daner Jr., who covers the Bengals for The Athletic on on Twitter, said this, I believe. You have to bite the bullet then. Excuse me. You have to bite the bullet then for missing on draft picks and pay a little bit extra even though that player might not be totally worth it because you got to get them in the building. The Reds did this all offseason. They promised aggressiveness to the fans. They admitted that they had screwed up in the draft the past couple of seasons. They had traded away some of their best prospects. They said, all right, damn it, we're going to be aggressive. We're going to go after these guys, and and we're going to have to pay a little bit more than we originally want to, but it's the price we have to pay to get a good team in here. And that's what they did. And look at the Reds. They have the best roster they've had in 10 years almost. So you, the, the Bengals are stubborn. We know this. Their philosophy does not change. It very rarely changes. But what we're seeing now is with DJ Reader and Trey Waynes, and I understand those, those two names don't move the needle for a lot of people. But the fact that they're active on day two of free agency and getting two guys is something we don't see very often. That tells me that maybe this whole narrative – that the Bengals are cheap and that the Bengals are a poorly run franchise is finally starting to get through to the people in the offices over there. And they're saying, okay, you know, that's not us. Let's go prove them wrong. Well, good for them. I hope they do. I don't know what we're going to talk about on this podcast next week. By the way, this is the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Audie Elmore, your host. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Audie Elmore, A-U-T-Y-E-L-M-O-R-E. Just got a text here. So I got a question for the podcast if it's not too late. Who has more success, Brady with the Buccaneers or Bill Belichick with the Patriots? This is a good question. If you ask me immediate success, which I would say over the next two seasons, 
My my gut right now would say Tom Brady with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I say that because they've got an insane amount of talent and a really good defense in a division that I consider a toss-up right now. If you ask me long-term success, I would say Bill Belichick because he strikes me as the type of guy who will die on a football field and coach until he's 96 years old and find a way in every loophole possible to win football games and win Super Bowls. I think I would be better suited to answer the question in a month or two months when we know who the Patriots quarterback is going to be. There are people in New England, local media in New England, that say Jarrett Stidham is the guy, and the Patriots have known this. I don't buy that for a second. If they can get a better option, i.e. a Jameis Winston, a Cam Newton, a Mitchell Trubisky, an Andy Dalton, if they can get a better option, maybe Jacoby Brissett comes back to New England. If they can get a better option than, than Jarrett Stidham, then I think they will. I just don't know exactly who that's going to be. So more success in the immediate future, I'm giving it to Tom Brady. In the long-term future, I would give it to to Bill Belichick. I know that seems like a cop-out, but, I mean, Brady's only got a few more years left. So I think the the most success will go to uh, to Bill Belichick. So I think that basically wraps things up. We're up over uh, 35 minutes, closing in on 40. Um, thank you for listening. I, I Like I said, I don't know what we're going to talk about next week at all. I guess there'll be some NFL to talk about, but maybe we'll just talk about life. I don't know. Maybe we'll just talk about life and, and stuff, and, and we'll just – I don't know. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but uh, there will never not be something to talk about when it comes to me and you and the Ball Don't Lie podcast. I'm thankful for you guys for listening. I'm thankful to Dr. Sayed Tabatabai, who uh, came on the program last week and then graciously tweeted out the podcast to his uh, 40,000 Twitter followers um, last week concerning COVID-19 and the coronavirus. And I got some pretty insane numbers and some really great feedback from that. So thank you to him. Thank you to those of you that reached out and tweeted and said a nice word. That was very cool. Um, very grateful, man. I mean, I really enjoy doing the podcast, and uh, it hasn't taken off yet, but maybe one day it will. And until then, I'm just going to keep grinding out episodes, and, and hopefully you guys are going to keep listening. So it is 9.33 on Tuesday, March 17th. I did not have a green beer today like I normally do, which is sad. Uh, but I hope wherever you are, you had a lovely St. Patrick's Day in Uh, Maybe with your family or with your dog or maybe with some sort of Irish meal. Who knows? But the Irish know this. The Americans know this. Everyone knows that Vault Don't Lie. I thank you so much for listening. And as always, have fun. Be safe. Go Bucks.